the optimal life. Dr. Cal, why are yes. so many people in pain? Um, the short answer is the medical profession today is not well trained at all in the uh, area of musculoskeletal diagnosis or treatment. There was a study done in 2014 and 15 by a Dr. B.F.D. Giovanni and his team. And they looked at all 141 medical schools in the United States to see how much instruction medical students were getting in the diagnosis and treatment of musculoskeletal problems, spinal and joint problems. And they found that of those 141 schools, only 15% mandated any instruction at all. And of those 15%, the, the instruction that was given was between one and three weeks. So the fact is your primary care provider has no idea at all when you go to see him for a joint or spinal problem, how to proceed, how even to diagnose the problem. Then if you go to see a specialist like an orthopedist, they have specialized in the surgical approaches to these things, but they still had the same basic training in medical school. So they have no idea how to treat people from a conservative standpoint. So back to the primary care physician, most people start there and they're in some kind of pain or they've got an ailment. They tell their doctor, Hey doc, I have a, a, a real bad feeling in my lower back. Right. I, right. So well, those doctors aren't trained to, to, as you point out, diagnose that properly. What do they, where do they typically go from there with those doctors? Well, typically I would say that, you know, they're giving out medication. Uh, they're hoping that that will alleviate the pain. However, that really is seldom the case. Um, you know, in, in fact, um, when you're giving out heavy-duty medications, as was done in the last decade, um, we have about 4% of the population, world's population in America. We were taking uh, about 86% of the oxycodone and about 90% of the hydrocodone. So Americans were um, really over-consuming because the medical profession really didn't know how to treat the pain. Very often, medical doctors after that will send one, someone to physical therapy. They really don't know what they're dealing with, so very often they'll write a shotgun prescription, which means do whatever you like to do or do everything. And very often that's problematic because the vast majority of injuries are soft tissue. So... Short of breaking a bone, the only sort of tissue that we can injure is soft tissue. And that would be either muscle, ligament, tendon, nerve, joint. And basically, our 206 bones are held together by 639 muscles. So short of breaking a bone, the only thing that we can ever injure is soft tissue. So primarily, that's muscular. And when we injure muscles, we have thousands of fibers, microfibers in any muscle, and they will be torn. And things like massage, 
stretching, heat, and vibration are contraindicated to healing that type of injury. So the vast majority of people with chronic pain never get better. So the people with chronic pain, your first piece of advice to those folks is don't go to your primary care physician. Go to fill in the blank. Where do they go? Well, hopefully they would go to a chiropractor, believe it or not, because we're much better trained in that area than the medical profession. We get four years of training, just like the MD. We get absolutely very, very little pharmacology because chiropractors can't dispense medication, okay? The only state where they're allowed to do that is New Mexico. So when I'm treating a, a problem with a patient, I have to be very accurate in my diagnosis and treatment or that patient's going to walk because I can't uh, give them pain medication to cover up their pain or to help them deal with it. So I have to have results that are pretty fast. Um, and so I would hope that the majority of people would start to turn towards chiropractors um, to get that sort of higher quality training and uh, a better knowledge of conservative treatment. So start with the chiropractor. If you're feeling ailments, if you're feeling pain, going to your primary care physician who's going to treat you for the common cold or some sicknesses is not the right way to go. If you're feeling if you're feeling this this, which is most likely, as you point out, some kind of soft tissue issue, right? Um, then go start with the chiropractor. Taking it one step further, you're not just a chiropractor, but you're a chiropractic orthopedist. And right. I think you're one of like 500 certified throughout the country. So it's a very small number. It is. Talk to us. What exactly does that mean, chiropractic orthopedist? Well, chiropractors attend uh, usually a undergraduate college. I graduated from the University of Tennessee with a biology, zoology major. I went to a four-year chiropractic college, Palmer Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. And that's where... Uh, that's the course that most chiropractors, um, w- you know, how they would be educated. Um, but then after practicing for five years, I decided that I wanted to specialize in orthopedics. So that's another three to five years uh, of instruction and testing. Um, so <clears throat> in my situation, I went one week in a month for um, three and a half years, basically. Um, and uh, I had to study uh, at the New York Chiropractic College, who was um, uh, offering the orthopedic program. And then after that, I had to have some very rigorous testing to be board certified, uh, doing both written and practical examinations over a three-day period. So <clears throat> chiropractic orthopedists, um, treat the same things that surgical orthopedists would treat, but they don't do surgery. They do conservative therapies. Uh, they do exercise regimens, um, and they instruct their patients on home activities and, more importantly, the things that they shouldn't do. Uh, we have a sort of an instinctive idea that we're, when we're in pain, uh, we should stretch, massage, and heat the injury. 
But in point of fact, that's the exact wrong thing to do if you have a soft tissue injury because you're damaging the soft tissue more. By stretching, massaging, and heating the soft tissue, you're actually causing it more damage. You are, because if you understand the nature of the injury, you have an intramuscular tear or a ligament or tendon tear, and it could be very minor, just a few microfibers torn, or it could be much more substantial. But it is an injury, and it's internal. So when we massage or stretch or vibrate, it's akin to pulling the scab off a superficial wound, except that the injury is inside, not superficial. So stretching, massage, vibrating are all the things that were commonly told or thought that we should do, but it keeps us in pain. Why are and we the, taught that? Yeah. And the interesting thing about soft tissue injuries is that they don't have to heal. And I'm sure that hundreds of your listeners out there right now have been to PTs, physical therapy. They've been told by their medical doctors to do stretches or do massage. And they're having severe pain and their pain is very often getting worse. Um, and so it's uh, this merry-go-round you never get off of. Why are we being taught that, Dr. Cal? Uh, does the medical profession want us to remain in pain? No, I don't think so. I think that they just don't know any better. So what would you tell people to do instead of doing those things of heating and stretching and massaging? What, what, are, they, what are they supposed to do instead? I would tell them to pick up my book, Healing the Human Machine, and find out. Um, that was a great softball question, wasn't it? You just hit <laughs> yeah. it. You just hit it right over the right over the fence. Well done. Well, you know, it's true. I mean, I've been doing this for about three decades now, actually a bit more, um, and I've been treating thousands of patients over the last thirty years. And you know, not being able to give medication, as I said, you've got to be spot on in how you treat these injuries. Um, and so I took all that knowledge um, and I encapsulated it into a pretty easy to understand book so that people can have sort of a roadmap when they have back pain or shoulder pain or carpal tunnel or TMJ, headaches, whatever, uh, because I treat pretty much every condition. So I have about 40 different common problems. People run into everything from migraine headaches to uh, foot pain, and it's uh, the 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 methods to treat those injuries and the best way to <clears throat> um, proceed, not only with treatment but also with postural considerations, uh, because believe it or not, bad posture um, will. Um, negate any ability to improve in many of these conditions. For instance, let's say you have a, a painful back and you're having pain on the right side of your lumbar spine and it's radiating down into your buttock a little bit, not really going to the foot, it's not sciatica, it's just localized pain in your lumbar spine and your buttock area. If you lay on that side in bed, 
you are actually stretching down into the mattress when you're in that position and your back pain will never improve. Mm. You'll have chronic pain for weeks and months simply because you didn't know that that posture was injurious to your condition. And that is something you see in every condition. It's the same thing with shoulder pain. If you sleep on your shoulder or you sleep with your arm over your head, you're stretching out a soft tissue injury. That is probably the third most common injury uh, with patients I see. What's the first and second most common? First is low back. Second is neck. Low back, neck, and then shoulder. Makes sense. Uh, All three of those bother me. Mine actually go shoulder, neck, low back. But right. Everyone's got everyone's got something different. You mentioned low back and you mentioned your example there. You said that's not sciatica. So what exactly is sciatica then? <clears throat> Nate, if I <clears throat> if I see 20 patients with low back pain and leg pain, 19 of them will tell me I have sciatica. It is very, very rare. Sciatica is true sciatic nerve pain that usually goes from the lumbar spine, low back, right down to the foot with an electric type of pain that's like a nerve pain, a hot wire going to the foot, very often with weakness of the leg and also very often with numbness of the foot. You may even have a condition called foot drop where you're, uh, you have a weakness and an inability to keep your foot um elevated so that's sciatica but that really is only present when you have a disc herniation or protrusion uh pushing on some branch of the sciatic nerve it is far far more common to have localized pain in the lower back and in the buttock area now when you have that most people after a few days will start altering their gait. They'll start limping. And within a very short time, they have a secondary strain of the upper leg usually. And usually it's in the tensor fasciolata or TFL area. So the Where's that area? What's TFL? Where's that? That's the lateral leg, the lateral upper leg. So it's very common to have a secondary strain um, after you've injured your lower back due to antalgia and starting to walk and move differently. You're overcompensating, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that the limb and the lower back is a movement chain. So once you start having um, abnormal movement in one area, you're going to affect another area and the pain will spread over time. So for those folks, because that's, as you mentioned, one of the top three. For those folks that are experiencing those problems, generally speaking, what are some things that they can and should be doing to decrease the pain? They should stop vibrating, massaging, and stretching. Stop all of it. No foam rollers, because a foam roller is basically an internal massage, okay? You have to understand that tissue has been damaged and tissue has to heal. Now, the way to heal tissue is to 
apply ice because you have an inflammatory condition going on when you have an injury. And also a very fine therapy to be doing is ultrasound. Ultrasound is a sound therapy that has a uh, very unusual methodology to it. It has um, a phenomenon called acoustic streaming. And what that actually does is push swelling out of the tissue and allow for very rapid healing. You have to understand that when you have an internal um, injury in a muscle, you have a lot of swelling. And that creates a high-pressure region, and it also creates stasis. So tissue exchange is not happening freely. Things aren't getting in, things aren't getting out. So healing is very slow. But with ultrasound and acoustic streaming, you speed up that process drastically, dramatically. Where, where would where would one? What kind? Of, what does that look like, doctor? Um, that's sort ultrasound. of like um, it. Sort of looks like a um, a te- the old fashioned handheld telephone, like so. But it has a sound head, and you're moving that over tissue. And it's emitting a sound as uh, a sound wave. So if you put that head in water, you'll actually see ripples going across the water as the sound is pushing through it. And they have home kit versions of this. Is that correct? <laughs> they, they do, but they they really don't work very well. If you want to get a nice ultrasound unit, they start around $2,000. Okay, so you would recommend uh, who, who? What kind of doctor? Uh, chiropractors carry these units. Yes, most do. Most okay. of them do. So right. you'd want to you you re, recapping what I've heard so far. You don't want to do the things we talked about when it comes to the being pro with the heating and the stretching and the foam roller, all that. Stay away from it. Absolutely, Let, but there's a lot. Yeah, that, absolutely, but there's a lot more to consider when you consider soft tissue injuries. A big problem with a lot of people is uh, the body should be, the body's a machine. And that's, you know, when I wrote the book, Healing the Human Machine, basically we are, you know, a human machine and we have to be balanced. And very often we're totally out of balance. As a matter of fact, studies have shown that 50% of the population has a short leg, one leg shorter than the other. Okay. Now, the biggest reason for having hip degeneration in the American population is the difference in leg length. But no one ever, you know, hears that or or is aware of that. As a matter of fact, when radiologists do x-rays of the lower back and they see a leg length discrepancy, even as much as an inch, they don't comment on it. They never mention it in x-ray reports ever now think about that in terms of scoliosis scoliosis or lateral curvature of the spine the largest reason for that is a leg length discrepancy but when people when adults when parents take their children to be x-rayed even if there is a leg length discrepancy seen on x-ray radiologists never mention it it could be as much as an inch difference between the right and left leg. Now, the spine is a teeter-totter, and it curves toward the low side. And that is the 
primary reason uh, today that um, people are being misdiagnosed, not only for lower back pain, hip pain, or underdiagnosed, I should say, and scoliosis. But there are many imbalances in the human body. Another big imbalance is forward head translation. You know, most of us carry our heads forward at our balance point these days because we spend so much time looking into a computer screen or um, a mobile phone. And I'm working on my posture right now as you speak. <laughs> I saw you. I saw you setting up. <laughs> moving around here. I'm I, I see that. Squirmy. I see that. So, yeah. But I mean, this is something I'm very much interested in. And, and I tend to get a little carried away because we only have 30 minutes, but, but uh, it's a fascinating subject. And, uh, you know, it's really um, been my passion for my lifetime. So icing is important. The ultrasound therapy sounds to be something that probably a lot of people don't even really know about. Right. That's something that's important. Are there any other things generally speaking? Posture is vital. If you have low back pain, you you cannot slump in a soft couch. Um, You can't sleep on the symptomatic side. You have to stay on your back with a pillow under your knees or sleep on the non-painful side with a long pillow between your legs. I mean, all of this stuff, the Healing the Human Machine, my book, is 272 pages of knowledge. And it goes into almost every condition I can think of, from migraine headaches to TMJ. Healing the Human Machine, Ending Spinal Joint and Muscular Pain. We we have linked that in the show notes. Anyone wants to see more about the book. Let's talk about a few other things. I'm curious, what's your thoughts about uh, acupuncture? Acupuncture is good for nerve pain, but it is is not very effective for soft tissue muscular pain. So you have to be able to distinguish the two. What's a common nerve pain issue that people have? Neck? Um, I would say the most common nerve pain is a cervical radiculopathy. It's, a, it's more common than sciatica, for sure. And the reason for that is that the cervical spine has twice as many joints as any other region of the spine. So <clears throat> when nerves exit the spine in the cervical region, they go through a foramen. And that foramen, or opening, has a joint in front and in back. And if those joints become... Um, arthritic over time, they start to close down the foramen. And then you can come up with uh, symptoms like numbness in your arms, hands, or blood flow, purple tunnel, um, or even facial pain. Um, So it varies greatly. You mentioned headaches and migraines. Right. And doctor, I thought headaches and migraines were being solved by Advil and Midol. No, (laughs) no, they're not. Um, How are you guys fixing headaches and migraines? Well, here's here's the thing you have to understand. Um, They did a study a few years ago with a PET scan, and they saw that migraines started in the brainstem. So let me explain that a bit. The brain has a stem, just like a turnip. And at the base of the brain, that brain stem 
comes down through an opening in the base of the skull called the foramen magnum. That stem then enters into the top two cervical vertebrae, and they are much larger inside to accept the brain stem than the vertebrae below. It's not until you get to the third cervical vertebrae where the actual spinal cord starts. So the brainstem is housed inside the upper two cervical vertebrae. And pressure and distortion on those two vertebrae can cause migraines and a host of other types of headache. Okay. So what do you suggest people do then? Well, when you have forward head translation, uh, the best way to solve that is to use one of my patented devices, <laughs> the curb restorer. It's also called the Nexrect. It's listed. Say, that, say that again. What is it called? It's called the curve restorer. The curve restorer. Uh, or neck correct. Okay. And what does that do and how does that work? Um, the curve restorer is a device that I um, patented. It has a um, resistance loop and a set of twin foil steel um, foils. Still, you know, it's it's offers resistance. So um, it's a device. It's a little bit hard to explain, but if you go on YouTube and look up uh, the Curve Restore. There's a video there that shows it in great detail. What is this? Does this is this like some kind of ring that you put around your head? What what does it look like? No, it's a device that you pull into the the uh, rearward part of your neck, and uh, from there you do a series of exercises. The resistance strap pulls the uh, cervical spine forward into a nice shaped C curve, which is what you want. And then there are two loops uh, that are connected to these steel coils that offer the resistance um, that you uh, receive when you do the exercise. Mm. So what is it that's causing a migraine? Because, again, you get the, you put the Band-Aid on when you take the medicine, and then maybe your migraine goes away, your headache goes away. We all know Advil, Tylenol, all those things. Mm -hmm. And then a week later several days later it's back again and then it's back again so it goes away or it decreases but then it comes back so how does it what's happening there where it, it actually does seem like it gets better for a few days but then all of a sudden it's back what, what's happening inflammation of the brainstem it's pretty simple so when you have uh, a lot of stress or let's say you fell asleep on your stomach and uh, you're turning your head one way or the other for a few hours during sleep, you're uh, producing stress in the brainstem and swelling, inflammation. And that inflammation can peak and subside and you have um, migraines, therefore, starting. What actually happens is you have something called depolarization in the brainstem and it spreads to the rest of the brain. What they did in, I think it was 2017, is they did PET scans looking at the brain before, 
during and after a migraine. And what they saw was a flaring of um, cerebral activity in the brainstem before, during, and after the migraine. All the other areas of the brain were not being reactive. So the migraines definitely originate there. As a matter of fact, they did a study um, where they, um, let's see, hold on one minute. Sure, no worries. I'm it's amazing. At- While you look for this, I just can't help but remind myself, it's amazing how uh, so many of our problems are caused by just abnormalities of, of our, our spine, our curvature, our posture, all these things that we don't think really have any impact. They're the real main cause. They are. And the, the unfortunate thing is that most people are so trusting and are so used to doing the same thing. They have great confidence in their medical doctors. I mean, I've been, my life has been saved by medicine. There, it's miraculous in many respects. But if you really don't know anything about musculoskeletal, be honest with the patient and refer them. Don't act as if you know. Don't, you know, prescribe medication when you don't even know what you're treating. Don't send a patient to PT when you don't even know what their problem is. Uh, You know, and unfortunately, physical therapists take their title very, you know, very, uh, very, uh, you know, that's what they do. Physical therapists do physical things. They stretch you, they massage you. And those things, as I said, are just, you know, absolutely contraindicated for soft tissue problems. Mm. Mm. They exacerbate the soft tissue problem, it sounds like. They do. Absolutely. Interesting. Did you find what you were looking for? Yeah, there was a study that was done by a group of researchers, as I said, who uh, looked at these PET scans. It's Dr. J. Tajti. Um, I believe he was an Indian doctor. And he wrote a paper um, following this very large study that was done entitled, Where Does a Migraine Attack Originate? In the Brainstem. And in my book, I have 167 citations from research studies that have been done to validate pretty much everything I'm saying. The last thing I'd like to to talk about, I mean, I don't know how much time we have, Nate, but one thing I would like to say is that a lot of people have this misconception that chiropractic care is dangerous, that they shouldn't go to a chiropractor because they should have a stroke. That is the farthest thing from the truth. And I'd like to speak just a moment about that. Sure, please. When I was writing the book and putting this together about two years ago, I looked up what doctors are paying in in malpractice insurance in my geographic area. 
Your general practitioner is paying about $20,000 a year for malpractice insurance. Surgeons are paying about $140,000 to $50,000 a year. OBGYNs are paying about $180,000 to $190,000 a year. As a chiropractor, I pay less than $2,000 a year for my malpractice insurance. Now, malpractice is insurance is judged on actuarial tables of risk. So you can clearly see that the insurance companies do not consider my practice risky at all. You know, you hear a lot about strokes. Dr. Um, Handelman, uh, maybe Handelman, I think, hold on one minute. I want to just... Okay. You want to make sure you're citing the proper person. Dr. Scott Handelman, he's uh, an MD, and he looked at 10 years worth of malpractice claims that were filed in Canada for the 4,500 chiropractors in practice in Canada. And they found that the likelihood that a chiropractic cervical manipulation would result in a stroke was one in 585 million adjustments. Wow. Now, I don't know if you have heard, but Gary Null and a team looked at the risk of medical practice and medical procedures in the United States. And this study was done a number of years ago. It's not recent. However, the risk of having a medical procedure in the United States is about 5 in 100. And some of those procedures result in some pretty drastic consequences, often death. So I think that, you know, you have to see that medicine is far riskier than chiropractic. Yeah, one in 20 versus one in 500 plus million, at least in that example of a stroke. More about a, one, one in, probably one in 100. Uh, well, maybe one in 20, you're right. Well, yeah. if you say five out of 100, right. Yeah, one in 20, you're right. So, um, yeah, that's that's eye-opening. And people can learn more about you. They can they can look at the book. We've, we've linked you in the show notes. Um, I did have one final question for you, and then I want to hear where else people can find you. Sure. Uh, but I did see that you talk about weather having influence on pain. Yes, talk, talk a little bit about that. How how does that happen? Um, well, basically, the pain that we're having in soft tissue or joint is linked to inflammation, right? So we have swelling in these areas of injury. When we have a bad weather day, that is a low pressure front. Okay, so we are all at sea level experience a pressure of about 32 foot pounds per square inch on our bodies. Now I'm a diver, so we learned when you go down another 32 feet, you have another atmosphere of pressure on it, on you. But you have to understand at sea level, walking around, we are always under pressure, okay? Pressure of 32 pounds per square inch on our bodies. Well, when you have a low pressure front, your 
your uh, body actually tends to swell. And the inflammation in your joints and in your muscle tissue will swell as well. Mm. So that will cause, you know, more pain, more activation of nerve fibers, and um, definitely increases pain. Interesting. Yeah. Healing the human machine. We've linked it in the show notes. We've talked about it. He hit it right out of the park when I gave him the softball earlier. So you've heard the book. Uh, Where else, Dr. Calvin, can people find you online, website, social media, et cetera? Um, I have a number of um, I have a number of videos on YouTube. Uh, you can just look up Dr. Calvin Hargis. You can look up Healing the Human Machine. There's about 20 videos, and I talk about a lot of different conditions. Um, Sloliosis is one of my pets, uh, and also one of my pet peeves because, as I said, radiologists are not uh, evaluating these X-rays properly. Um, but I. Um, I have that. My website is Warwick Brain and Spine Therapy. I also do some neurofeedback, which is maybe a topic of another show. Um, And, of course, I practice in Warwick, New York, which is in Orange County, New York. Um, And Warwick's a lovely little village town, um, just about an hour north of New York City. Beautiful. Well, like I said, uh, anyone wants to learn more about Dr. Cal and his practice and his procedures, his book, click the links in the show notes. It'll take you there. You can find more about him. Dr. Cal Hargis, thank you so much. This was really informational and uh, appreciate your time today. Nate, I appreciate you having me on. It's been fantastic. And thanks so much for having me as a guest.